Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we chat with Simon Hildebrandt of the Winnipeg Sea Bears. Tough loss in Calgary Thursday night, but they got another matchup in Vancouver on Sunday. We'll talk about that in his first pro season. And also Tyler Mislachuk, Manitoban triathlete. He's in Spain. We'll talk to him about his season on the podcast. Winnipeg still in charge of their destiny at 11 and 7 with two games to go. They're a game and a half clear of Calgary, who has a game in hand. And next up for the Sea Bears, a date with the Vancouver Bandits Sunday in BC before they come back for the regular season finale at home a week from tomorrow against Edmonton. Earlier today, to talk about all of this, I caught up with Sea Bears forward Simon Hildebrandt as he boarded a plane. He's 20 years old from the U of M and is having an up and down season as a pro, his first pro season. He had 19 points in the game and then six and then 15 and then one and then nine in their loss last night. That's his last five games, just to paint a picture for you. And we started our chat by talking about just what happened last night. Yeah, it was a tough one. We just like, we didn't kind of come out strong. It almost looked like we just weren't like ready to play. You know, like we had we had to treat it like a playoff game. Like that was our chance to clinch. Uh, yeah, we just kind of came out a little flat. I think maybe a little overconfident because we just beat them at home. So we just got to come out a little better and have a little more energy. So how much did them having Shitu back in the lineup ha- make a difference? Because he was not obviously there when you beat them by 25 here last week. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's like probably one of the better players in this league and like he's definitely one of their best players. So it's huge for them. But I think, yeah, I still think a lot of it was on us. Like, we got to be better. Yeah, like, it definitely made them a little harder to guard. But I think I don't think that he changes the game from a 25-point blow to them blowing us up by 15. So, Right. And for your team specifically, I mean, three-pointers are such a big part of what your team does well. Seven of 30 from three is a, is a pretty big difference maker, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had an uncharacteristically showing from the three-point line, and yeah, you know, it's tough to do that on the road, but that's what make uh, great teams great, the ability to win on the road. So we got, like, one more chance here in Vancouver before hopefully going into playoffs. So just kind of going in on, like, a positive positive road win would be big for us. So you know that uh, you knew last night if you'd wanted to secure that top spot in the West, you still have that within your own destiny. You win your last two games, and that's yours. So how comforting is it knowing, all right, we could just get back on track, get a win in Vancouver, and we're that much closer to getting this done. Oh yeah, it's definitely definitely nice. I think like obviously we don't want to have to use those two games or wait till the end. Like we want to like get it done and just kind of keep moving forward. Like build good habits. So yeah, like it's it'd be, we're lucky that we've put ourselves in a, in a good position to do that. But yeah, we definitely just want to get it done as soon as possible. So are you thinking at all, or is this putting you know the cart before the horse? Are you thinking at all? Okay, we're playing in Vancouver on Sunday. Let's get used to this because we want to be back here in a couple of weeks for championship weekend. Uh, maybe a little bit, yeah. Like, you know, we've played Vancouver three times this year. Obviously, we've only been there once, but I think it, yeah, it's definitely an advantage. Like maybe some of those teams in the East like have a bit of Vancouver or only been there once. But I would say it's like we still have like the, at least one playoff game like to play before we get there. So, like I would say, just focus on getting the win first, and then. You just focus on that next playoff game before we jump all the way to all the way to playoffs. Bit of a bit of a tougher season for the Bandits so far this year. Uh, what do you have to do to make sure you get the W on Sunday? Uh, yeah, just kind of come up together, like play hard. I think we've shown what we're capable of. 
uh, when we play together and we, we knock down shots and we're defending. So kind of just being able to put together like a full game. And for you, how do you think your season's gone so far, your first season in the CEBL? Uh, it's been such an awesome experience. I, I definitely think I'm getting a lot better. Uh, I just got to put that consistency piece together. Like I've had some, some really good games and some really bad games. So just being able to put it all together, I think, will be my, my biggest takeaway. You had a, a target score winner uh, against Montreal. What was that like when you saw that go through the bucket and the, the place goes nuts, your teammates mob you? Yeah, especially being from Winnipeg. It's like in Winnipeg, such a such an unbelievable experience. So, yeah, that was definitely one I'm not going to forget anytime soon. For you playing in this league that you know wasn't really an option for you not that long ago growing up, now that the, this is here for you, how much does this help you going into your second year at the U of M? Oh, it's, it's going to be unbelievable. Just like getting that pro experience and being able to play all summer against these guys who are much older and have played lots of pro. So I think just, just learning as much as I can and kind of getting used to this kind of physicality and how, the, how the, they act is going to be huge going into next year. Do you think that's going to give you a, a real big target on your back, though, knowing that, hey, this is the guy that was playing with the big guys? Um. I don't know. I think, I think that comes a lot with team success too. Like you know, like even just as a team at U of M, we were really good last year. So I think, like as a team, we'll have a target on our backs. Like seeing that, hopefully, we'll be better this year than last year. So I wouldn't say as much personally, but as a team, yeah. You're also working with uh, Mike Rainbow, Winnipeg Westman head coach, as an assistant with the team. So he's going to have some inside knowledge on some things you do now, right? <laughs> Yeah, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit. But, yeah, he's been he's been awesome. I know I've had, like, a couple people ask him, like, oh, like, is it weird having him, him coach you all? No, he's been, he's, been, he's been awesome so far. Just, like, always willing to help me, like, to rebound and give me tips here. Like, it's, it's been really good having him. What have you thought of the, the turnout to these games? Because I think that's one of the big stories about this opening season is how many people have flocked to these Seabears games. They're opening up more seats for their, your last home game on July 29th. Can you believe how many people are, are getting involved in the party here? Yeah, it's been awesome. It's been, like, I think it's kind of shows the kind of basketball community that Winnipeg has. So you have a lot of friends and family coming out. Oh, all the time. Yeah. So when this season's done, do you take a break at all or is it going to be going right into training for the bison season? Yeah, I'll definitely take like a week, maybe a week and a half to myself, you know, just, kind of recover take a little break and then right back to it you know I'm, I'm excited for my upcoming season so i want to get right back into it it's all basketball all the time then yeah yeah Javi, when does the thought of schoolwork start or you just don't even want to bother with thinking about schoolwork uh, right now <laughs> i'm right now scheduled to take like one summer course towards the end of the summer still so i'll, I'll push that off as far as i can but yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know, focus on the season, but obviously, like, when, when school happens, like, you got to take some time out of that to get your grades up and everything. And I, I pride myself in being, a like, a, a student athlete. Like, I, I care a lot about my grades, and I know, like, the ball is eventually going to stop bouncing. So you got to have something to fall back on. And when you're on campus, are you going to be repping Sea Bears gear, or are you going to be repping Bison gear? Uh, maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Simon, appreciate you taking time out of your schedule today to do this. Uh, Have a safe flight, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you. The World Triathlon Season.
is nearing a close with the biggest races still to come. And that means Oak Bluff's Tyler Mislachuk is getting ready to test his medal against the best in the world a year ahead of the next Olympic Games in Paris. The 28-year-old has had some pretty strong results this season. He finished second at an event in Huatulco, Mexico for the second straight year last month. Also finished in the top 10 at an event in Germany last weekend. Yesterday afternoon, I had the chance to catch up with Tyler from, uh, well, you know what? Let's let him tell you. Uh, joining you from Girona, Spain. So uh, it's evening time here, a few hours ahead, uh, playing tag with you. But uh, yeah, calling from, I think it's 38 degrees Celsius here today. So oh, wow. it's much warm. So uh, I imagine you're there for uh, some some triathlon work. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I actually race on the weekend uh, in Hamburg, Germany, and uh, my next big race is the Olympic Test Event in Paris in uh, about four or five weeks from now. So, uh, didn't want to quite make the trip back home to North America. It's just a long journey, and figured I'd stay over here and maximize being in the time zone and. Uh, Spain isn't a bad place to uh, ride, swim, and run your way around the trails, that's for sure. When it's 38 degrees, though, how do you make sure you're not, you know, overdoing yourself a few days before a race? Um, I have enough time now that uh, uh, I can uh, kind of train in and be careful, get used to it. Uh, there's actually a lot of research done. Uh, if you do it right, training in and around uh, heat can uh, actually, like, increase performance and uh, I mean, as long as you're not overcooking yourself and dehydrating yourself, uh, there's a lot of benefits to, uh, training in heat. If, even if you're not planning to race in hot, it has actually similar effects to altitude. So hopefully, uh, get a little boost here as well. Now, is that something that you've learned to adapt to over the course of your career now? Yeah. I mean, it's always, it's always tough training in different spots. I mean, training cold, training in hot, training at altitude, uh, it's one of those things you kind of have to get used to your environment. So uh, I don't think you ever get used to 38 degrees Celsius. So you train a bit early, train a bit late, and, uh, you know, suffer, suffer midday. But uh, it's definitely one of those things that you put in your back of your mind, though, so you can kind of get through, then you're going to be better off for it in the long run. But, uh, yeah, it definitely doesn't make it any easier doing it. So this past weekend, you finished ninth in a uh, world championship event in Germany. But it was a unique event. Tell us about it. Yeah, it's a, a, a new event uh, for World Triathlon and the Olympics. Uh, so it's basically uh, multiple, multiple rounds of basically short triathlon. So a 300 swim, meter swim, a 7K bike, and a 1.8K run, which, you know, doesn't seem that bad, but uh, it's kind of like comparing an 800-meter run to a normal 10K or a marathon, you know. Both uh, are much different distances, but they both hurt in a completely different way. So uh, essentially with this racing format – every uh every round they eliminate 10, 10 athletes so you start with 60 athletes and every round basically 10 athletes are eliminated until the final 10 athletes and uh it's over three days so it's a uh, it's a long time to stay locked in mentally focused for uh you know being engaged and making sure you're on top of your hydration and nutrition and recovery and getting massages all the little things kind of add up over the three-day time period so you got into the final run of that, finished ninth in that final run, but are you happy with at least getting into that last group? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I think it uh, probably was well, was for sure the strongest race all year that's happened so far, so uh, pretty happy. Uh, again, uh, bittersweet because uh, the last round, I actually had my slowest round. I just uh, felt a bit off and made a few little tiny mistakes that kind of add up, but 
um, anytime you're within 15 seconds of uh, a world champion, you uh, you always it's going to go both ways. Where if you're happy that you're so close, but you're also disappointed that you're so close and couldn't get it done. So that's just the way of an athlete's mind works, eh? For the layperson who is not a world-class triathlete, how does one make a mistake in this sport? Yeah, I mean, mistakes, we're talking about, the, the, this final round took about, I think, 19 and a half minutes. So a mistake is, you know, one second doing up your helmet a bit slower or positioning one bike length back and losing a second here or there because, you know, the te- in the last round, 19 and a half minutes, for a triathlon at least is, is not long. We're used to racing for 50 minutes or an hour 45. And even that type of racing, the depth of field and how close everyone is nowadays is there's uh, no room for mistakes. I mean, you see it like an example, like a, you know, a, tra- a track and field race or a swimming race, you know, these are like inches and milliseconds. So how they push off the wall or, uh, you know, how, how you come around a corner, if you lose footing, but all those little things just add up. And uh, if you make one or two of them, like you go from, you know, fourth to ninth or ninth to fourth or first to fourth, you know, it's just such small gaps. In terms of the mental part of it, when you do make a mistake or two, how do you make sure you're not too hard on yourself? Because, you know, a fraction of a second to most of us is like, oh, that's nothing. But to you, that might, that may again be the difference between a podium finish and, and maybe finishing down the line. Yeah, totally. Uh, that's probably a good question. Something I'm still working on. Uh, it's definitely not easy. Um, I think the best thing, and what I've done most of my career is kind of, you know, whether it's good or bad, uh, you get to enjoy it for a day or two days and, you know, come Monday or Tuesday, uh, if there's another race coming up, you go back to business as normal, whether it's been bad or good. And, uh, it's hard to do that both ways when you're, when you're really pumped from a race, you know, you can kind of come back and be super stoked and maybe not have quite as much motivation. Uh, and it can go the other way too, where you come back from a bad race and you almost can have too much motivation, you know, too much fire. So it's trying to almost keep an even keel, uh, even though you, you know, you're riding the waves of uh, high performance sport. So earlier this summer, you also had a silver place finish at, in Huatulco, which is a place you've, you've had a lot of success there. Fourth straight podium finish there. What is it about that venue that you seem to like so much? Uh, I think like a lot of Canadians, I like, uh, I like the, the relaxation on the beach in Mexico. And I think just going there makes me happy. And, uh, I definitely race well in the heat. Uh, I spend a lot of time in the hot weather over the years, which is again, ironic because I'm, I'm uh, a Winnipeg, uh, resident, but, uh, yeah, since I've been young, I've even playing ice hockey. I've never liked being cold. So it's one of those things that you can be born anywhere, but there, you know, your, your tendency to, to do a certain sport or be good at certain things. And that's just one of them uh, freakishly for me. How is the 2023 season different for you than maybe last year, knowing that the Olympics are next year? Yeah, totally. I mean, this year is, uh, is, I mean, every year is important, but um, I had a, I tore my Achilles at the Olympics in, in 2021. And uh, last year I struggled quite a bit coming back with that and just had a bunch of, uh, different little things kind of go wrong over the year. I got COVID three times and the parasite and I had bike crashes and, um, sport is all about momentum. So I think this year I've gained some good momentum. I've raced, you know, seven or eight times, I think, and I haven't finished outside the top 15. So it's a year of, uh, consistency. I'm still kind of waiting for that, uh, breakthrough performance. I think Hamburg was pretty close ninth at a world championship is pretty solid, but I'm waiting for that special day. So I've got two big races left this summer, uh, 
in yeah the Paris test event in about a month and then a month after that I have uh, the grand finale Olympic distance uh, world championship so the three biggest races of the year are all back to back to back with Hamburg and then these two coming up so um, yeah it's been I mean I've been pretty happy with the year I went from I think ranked around 125th uh, at the end end of the start this year and uh, climbed up to 15th so it's been uh, it's been an uphill battle I would say. Now, is that low ranking from the past simply because you were hurt and it took a while to get back? Yeah, hurt and take a while to get back. And, uh, I mean, the racing, uh, if you have a bad six-month period, uh, you, you fall pretty quickly, just as quickly as you move up. You know, I've been able in five months to, you know, to move up over 100 world ranking spots because uh, of, you know, consistency racing. And when you're sick or injured, uh, it, you go the same way, so the first race of the year I actually had to get substituted on the race uh, start list from another athlete because I actually couldn't even get on the first race of the year with my world ranking uh, because most of these races fill up, you know, if there's 60 guys, it's usually the best 60 guys in the world. So I've kind of had to uh, fight my way back into the start list, which uh, has been a bit stressful at times, but uh, you know, uh, pressure builds diamonds, as they say. The fact that the 2021 Olympics were obviously out of, out of turn because of COVID only three years between games this time around do you, do you, does that help you or hurt you in this recovery um you know probably the more time the better but uh i'm definitely you know i'll be 29 when i'm coming up uh when i do race uh next year at the olympics you know touch wood that everything goes smoothly but uh that's kind of right in a triathlete's prime so i think you know whether it's this year or next year at another year i think uh it's not in the big big scheme of things is not going to matter too much. Uh, a lot of triathletes, especially men kind of, you know, peak from around 25 to early thirties. That's uh, the typical age. So I'm kind of right in there. So this is kind of my golden years, as you would say. Do you feel like you're racing at your best right now? Uh, I think I'm about to be, that's for sure. I think, uh, again, I I'm waiting for, uh, a bit of luck to fall in my favor. I feel like I've, I've raced pretty well, but, this year I've, I've had a penalty in one race. I've had a crash in one race and, uh, uh, something else pop up in another race. So it's, it, it's kind of been, uh, you know, I've done pretty well considering, but I'm waiting for, uh, not that I need, uh, some good luck. I just need to, to minimize the bad luck. And I think I'll have a, a breakthrough hopefully coming at the end of this year. And, um, I'm definitely close fitness wise. I'm definitely, clo- you know, in some of the best shape of my life, but it hasn't necessarily translated to, uh, you know, world championship medal or uh, Olympic medal yet. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how this year folds up, ends up. And this Paris test event coming up is that on the same course that the Olympics will be next year? Yeah, exact same course. So we'll be riding the uh, the Champs Elysees and uh, some cobblestones. And uh, yeah, it's going to be the exact course uh, with pretty much the the top sixty athletes in the world uh, all racing it. So it's basically like uh, as close as the Olympics as you can get. I think. It's probably the biggest race outside of the Olympics for, for triathlon in, in the four-year period. So um, you don't need to win the thing to win the Olympics, but you do you do need to at least see the course. So that's what it's all about for me, going to see the course and uh, hopefully finding a bit of confidence and success on it. But, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty excited. Last time I raced the Olympic test event, it went okay. So <laughs> we'll cross the fingers that it does again. And just before I let you go, when you're running what sounds like a really scenic race in Paris, are you able to actually like take in, wow, this is so cool that I'm here, or are you just laser-focused on performing well? I think we get a little preview before the race. We get to ride the course, and I think in those moments, 
you get to look around a little bit and enjoy it, but, uh, race time, hopefully I don't have time to look around and enjoy it. Cause it probably doesn't mean that I'm having too good of a day, but, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll definitely enjoy the experience regardless. Uh, pre and post is pretty, pretty cool that Paris is a beautiful city. And, um, yeah, when you know you're racing on Olympic, uh, a future Olympic course, it's, uh, it's special too. Well, Tyler, appreciate your time today. Thanks for uh, connecting with us and best of luck with everything the rest of the summer. Thank you, Christian. Appreciate the time as always. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. And thanks for all the fish So sad that it should come to this We try to warn you all the day You may not share our intellect Which might explain your name